That was powerful. I didn't know that song. Is that like a song going around? Uh-huh. <laughs> Turn with me your Bibles to Exodus chapter 12. It's powerful. It has to do with what I'm preaching about today. Antonio, would you go get the, that calendar in my office of the leadership principles? I'm going to pray and then we'll minister the word this morning. Father, I just thank you for your presence in this house, your goodness, your mercies that is upon us each and every day. I thank you for the freedom that only you bring. I thank you for the plan that you have for all of our lives. I thank you for the promises that are yes and amen over each and every one of us. I thank you, Father, that you would anoint me to minister your word, that this would not be words that come from me, but that come from you, from your heart, from your throne, to penetrate our hearts and our minds to bear forth much fruit in the days, the weeks, the months, and the years to come. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I was reading this. If you've never bought this, Pastor Rodney released this a few years ago. It's a 365-day it's a, it's a calendar that he has like a word of encouragement every day. And so I, I bought it, and I, and I love it every day to check out what the word of the Lord is for me that morning. Amen. But along with what I'm preaching today, I don't really know that I have a title. I'll, I'll leave it up to you guys to title it. I'm not always the best at titles. I just know what I feel in my spirit. March 19th, though, for today, it says that it takes a real live salmon to swim upstream, to jump obstacles, and to swim against the current to the spawning grounds where new life takes place. Any old dead fish can float downstream, but to swim against the current and to overcome the obstacles in your way takes vision and courage. Amen. And that's interesting that he said that. I'm going to be reading this. Kind of hit me this past week studying, and I, I hope I can communicate it well, but it's, it's like it added so much and exploded so much into me. I'm like, now it's like so much to try and release. But I will say this, I was thinking, nay, not thinking, I was complaining recently about the fact that I feel like in the eight years of pastoring, at least six, six and a half of those have been all out warfare. I mean, just like always, believing, breaking through, fighting demons, tearing down strongholds, breaking chains, binding the devil in Jesus' name. Amen. feel like you're in a constant war, and when you feel like, man, about, I'm about to get a breakthrough, here, here comes another punch, you know? And you're like, oh, I didn't even buy, oh, how many things can hit you at once? Well, the devil wants to, to, wants to do everything he can to break you. So I was actually mentioning this the other day to my father-in-law, and he said, man, all I've ever known was war. And I'm not going to preach this message to discourage you. I hope that it encourages you to know this, but we are in a battle. It is not always going to be daisies and roses. Not everything is always going to freely come to you. Some things you got to fight tooth and nail for, even though they're a promise for God, your promised land still has giants in the land. Amen. And so turn with me in Exodus chapter 12. Trying to decipher how to minister this word. The flow matters, but I think I'm going to get it. Exodus chapter 12, I was reading that through this. Actual fact, just thinking about this particular scripture is one of my favorite scriptures concerning the Israelites coming out of Egypt from their captivity. I always thought it was funny and just like our God. It says in Exodus 12, verse 31 through 36, I'm going to read. It says that Pharaoh sent for Moses and Aaron during the night. Get out, he ordered. Now this is after all the plagues hammered Egypt and 
you know, they were, God was getting his people out. So he says, get out, leave my people and take the rest of the Israelites with you. Go and worship the Lord as you've requested. Take your flocks and your herds, as you said, and be gone. Go, but bless me as you leave. All the Egyptians urged the people of Israel to get out of the land as quickly as possible, for they thought we will all die. The Israelites took their bread dough before yeast was added. They wrapped their kneading boards in their cloaks and carried them on their shoulders. And the people of Israel did as Moses had instructed. They asked the Egyptians for clothing and articles of silver and gold. Now the Lord caused the Egyptians to look favorably upon the Israelites, and so they gave the Israelites whatever they asked for. So they stripped the Egyptians of their wealth. That's what it says. Amen. Keep in mind now, this is actually justice. Because they have been slaves for over 400 years. Beaten, taken advantage of, killed, all sorts of you know, tortured trauma. So 400 years of that went on and God, as he visited Moses, said, I've seen my people, I've heard the cries and I've come down to deliver my people and I'm sending you to do it. And Moses was like, great, you know, <laughs> pick anybody else. I can't, I can't even talk, talk, talk God. He was like started stuttering and script, it doesn't really show anywhere else that he ever had a stammering lip, really. So he just like decided to get a fun, it's like the person that wants a good parking at the mall and comes out limping. <laughs> he was actually a, he was actually trained in pharaoh's uh place to be a well a, a good speaker he actually was good anyways so the lord brought them out of captivity and when he brought them out of captivity he blessed them just coming out of captivity there is a blessing in your life when you break through and just get set free of things going on in your life. People don't realize this, but God blesses you in all stages of your life. You're coming out of captivity. There's a blessing attached to it. But how many people know that it didn't stop just at coming out of captivity? There was more for the Israelites to go into. Luke chapter 4, when I read this this week, popped in my spirit where Jesus said these words. And this, I read this all the time. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. Come on, somebody. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. Hallelujah. That the blind will see and that the oppressed will also be set free. Shout free. Man, God comes to deliver those in captivity. Amen. And when you get taken out of captivity, there is a blessing attached to that breakthrough in your life. And I got to thinking about this this week, and I'm going to do my best to communicate this, that it's not just getting free of the things of this world that was God's plan for your life. It was actually to lead you into something greater. Because it also says, after being set free, captives will be released, oppressed will be set free, that the time of the Lord's favor has come. God has more for you than just breaking off sin. God has a plan and a purpose and an assignment for your life. And I believe this is key. I hope I preach this well. Take sin. Sin. Well, we all know scripturally, by the power of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, 
by the authority that he dis displayed on Calvary's cross defeating the devil, that sin has lost its grip on us. We all know that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Yet, there are still people that love God, that serve God, that are still caught up in sin. They want out. They hate it. They can't break it. It's a cycle of destruction in their life. Man, God, I know your word. I know your truth. I hate this thing. I want this free. I want this out. I want this broken out. And that's where the favor comes in, that it's not just get set free. It's get a new mindset. It's lift up your eyes off of the captivity of the past. And start looking to the promises of the future. That God is not always going to call you a sinner that he found and cleaned. He's going to call you a saint redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the renewal of the mind that's got to come upon a believer to walk in these things. To realize, man, my life is not meant to stay lurking in this. My life is meant to go on to something greater. There's a blessing when I break alcoholism. There's a breaking blessing when I break drugs. There's a blessing when I break lust. But there's a greater blessing when I step into the destiny that God has ordained in my life. And I'm not stopping just in the place of half free, half not. I'm going all the way in to the realms of the promised land. Hope I'm going to communicate this well right now. It's a fight to break it off though. See, it's a fight, everything in the kingdom of God. It's a fight to break these things. And the key is to not keep warring in the same place. You've got to move on to better places. You've got to move out of the days of the past. You've got to move past where the enemy's always throwing the accusations of what you once were, what you once had. You've got to step into something more. And that more only God can give you. Sin loses its grip when something better is in front of you. You don't want to turn back as a dog to its vomit when you look at the vomit and you look at the promise. It's easy to make the decision when you're looking at that and you know the cost and you know the wages and you know how you felt and you look at that and you say, I want that in my life and that's what I'm going after. It's a new day, it's a new dawn, and now something is on the inside of you that empowers you to move past where you once were into the better things. It's a blessing to get free, but there's a blessing to step into the great things God has for your life. Come on, somebody. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians, you've got to put on the full armor of God. That we might be able to stand against the devil and resist him, Scripture says. It's the truth. It's the righteousness. It's the, it's the helmet of salvation. It's the shield of faith. It's the sword of the Spirit to move past captivity into absolute promise. Captivity is one thing. Promise is another thing. Jesus said, I have been anointed. To set the captives free, to set at liberty those that are bruised in the King James, or to set the oppressed free as well, but also to proclaim that the day of the Lord's favor has now come. Jesus closed the book. He, he looked at the people and he said, I tell you that this very day, the day he read it 2,000 years ago, everything has been established now. Come on, somebody. Your freedom was established over 2,000 years ago. It's time to walk in that freedom today. And if you're believing God for it, shout amen. amen. It's your promises. Take sickness. Sickness that comes upon a person. We all know scripturally that by his stripes we were healed. 
Peter said that. Peter said that, if you read in Matthew, the day that Jesus came to his own mother's house and she was sick and couldn't make them a meal, that Jesus touched her, healed her, she got up, and she made a meal. Come on, somebody. Ha! Glory to God. And that day, Matthew quoted Isaiah at the same time saying, Surely he has borne our sicknesses and taken our diseases. Peter intentionally wrote it in past tense, looking back in his own life to a day that Jesus dominated sickness right in front of him, and he knew sickness is behind us. Well, it's the same principle of sin. It's the same principle as anything that holds you captive. It's not just enough to say he heals me. You've got to look past sickness into the great blessing of divine health and the, I will not only be healed, I will lay these hands that once were plagued upon another person and they will also be made well. It doesn't stop in me. And devil, you don't have any authority to stop what God has garnished in my life to walk in. Garnish makes sense? Not really. Okay. What well, God has ordained for me to walk in? Garnish is like a side thing. Quick grammar lesson on the front row here. Amy, we're a work in progress. Been going 10 years. Wait another 10 years. I'll be bringing out some zingers. Amen. <laughs> you got to believe it. He paid a price for your healing. He responded over and over again scripturally to those in need. I am willing. I am able. And he always healed the sick. In fact, scripture says multiple times he healed all that were oppressed of the devil. He healed all that came through. He had compassion on all and laid hands on many. And as many as he touched were made perfectly well. He drove out demons. He set the captives free. But it's not just I'm going to get healed. As I'm going to get healed, I'm going to get filled, I'm going to get anointed, I'm going to get sent out, and the same power that came upon me will now flow through me. Amen. I will carry the greater things of God. It's a blessing to get delivered, but it's a greater blessing to be the one that God can entrust with the power to deliver another person. Are you with me right now? Is this okay? Does this make sense? Am I communicating at all? Fear. We all know that God doesn't give us fear. He is not the originator of fear. God does not use fear. God is not the author of confusion. He is not the God of fear. We know that His perfect love casts out all fear. We know this. We can quote it. We can shout it. Yet the average born-again believer in America is gripped in fear. Too afraid to share your faith because someone might make fun of me or it might be uncomfortable and we're not supposed to talk about religion and we're not supposed to stir things up. Get over that. That's a lie. From the pit of hell, bro. Meant to hold back the goodness of God from hurting people that need what you have discovered. Fear is a lie. Fear is a lie. Fear is a lie. But it's one thing to say I'm going to get set free of fear. It's another thing to move in holy boldness. That's the promises of God. I'm going to deliver my... God will break fear off of my life. But I'm not going to remain timid at all. I'm going to walk in a boldness for the righteous are as bold as a lion. I'm going to walk in this. I'm not only going to get set free of fear, I'm going to make fear my enemy and I'm going to dominate fear. I'm going to come against fear in my life. I'm going to draw a line in the sand and I'm going to set people free of the spirit of fear. Amen. It's a blessing attached to moving not just to... Salvation was great. Salvation was the beginning. 
It was the beginning of every promise God had for your life that came upon you, but now you've got to walk the thing out. It's like your wedding day. That was the day of excitement. You ate cake, everybody rejoiced, but now you've got a marriage. What are you doing with the marriage part? Are you with me right now? A lot of Christians are stuck at the wedding day. And most wedding days Christians talk about isn't even in the past. They're still waiting for the future. One day, one day I'll be married. One day I'll be set free. One day I'll have delight. One day I'll have joy. Jesus said 2,000 years ago, that day has already come. It's yours if you walk in it. But it's the renewing of the mind. It's to lift up yourself up and say, I am not accepting every lie of hell any longer. I'm not going to live my life like this. No, my life is not up and down. My life is in the realms of God. I break the power of hell off of my life and my household. Believers afraid. You got to fight for this. How do you fight for that? Man, when fear tries to grip your heart, you're going to move in the opposite spirit. That's the only way to win. If you don't confront a thing, you'll never beat a thing. Are you with me right now? If you look at the Israelites brought out of Egypt, they were blessed with silver and gold, but that was not the promise. That was the deliverance. The promise was, gird up your loins and march into the promised land, for I have laid up a land for you to possess. And in that land, it will flow with milk and honey, riches and gold. Everything is laid up for you to take, but they wouldn't take it. Because in their minds, they were still captives. In their minds, they still said, even... as. Exodus 12, they were delivered. Exodus 13, God even warned and said, Moses, you better go this way because if Pharaoh attacks, one battle will send them right back into captivity. That's the words of God. He said, if they were attacked right now, they would return to captivity in Egypt. And one chapter later, after everything God did, plagues. See, that's where we get wrapped up too. We're like, God, I believe you. But if you could just do one more supernatural thing for me. Lord, I, I know it's true, but just one more time, could you just prove yourself before I step out because I'm a little afraid right now. We're stuck like that. And we all read the Israelites and we all think, man, these guys are morons. <laughs> but we're blind to our own captivity or our own inclination to go back to captivity. Just re- returning back, fighting once again for my salvation, then return back. Stuck in fear, fighting once again for boldness. Come back. Stuck in sin, trying to break free of sin. Come back. Oh, we're redeemed. Thank you, Jesus. I feel it. And it's a cycle. It's a cycle. Because the renewing of the mind and the vision to move ahead. What did he say? What did, what did God even say to Joshua? And he said, the day has come. Moses is dead. Today is the day you're actually going to move into what I had ordained for you to walk in 40 years ago. He said, but you've got to be strong and you've got to be courageous. And you got to walk on the land, and everywhere the sole of your foot treads, know this, I have already given that unto you. He said, no man and no army will ever be able to stand against you if you'd walk. But three, four, five, however many times, but be strong and very courageous. Then he took it a step further. And you have got to meditate day and night on these instructions. Meditate on them and let them come out of your mouth daily. Speak them over your life and be strong and courageous. And if you do this, you will have prosperity and blessing in the land. What's he talking about? The authority of the word. 
How do we renew the mind? How do I come out of the gutter of captivity? How do I not just break off the feeling, the urges of sin, but break off the sin nature and move into the divine nature? It takes the word of God that come through to cut through the fluff and get to the stuff to get my mind renewed on the things of God. Amen. So that my thoughts even isn't in the realms of sin. My thoughts are in the realms of righteousness. What can I do this side of eternity with the power of the anointing upon my life? What can I do? Fear once gripped me. What can I do now that I am no longer afraid and I'm walking in boldness? What does a bold person do in Jesus' name? Become bold as a lion. Take ground. Doubt. Doubt. We all know. We know. We shouted from the rooftops in this church. He can do anything, anywhere, at any time. There is nothing impossible for God. Nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Nothing stresses him. Nothing sweats him. Nothing makes him hold his breath. Nothing makes God go back for plan B. He is nothing is impossible for God. We know this firmly, yet we still will go into a season and be like, I doubt. Doubt I can get that. Doubt I'll walk in that. Doubt I'm going to have that. I doubt that's going to happen. I doubt that. I doubt God loves me enough. I doubt doubt God's going to be on my side. Where does this come from, Bobby? Where does it come from? That's my thought because I've been preaching and serving the Lord for 10 years. And still these thoughts try and come at me. Caleb, this is it. You've bitten off more than you could chew. Let me tell you, you better, you better plead. I would fast 18 weeks if I was you. All these thoughts, like it all depends on me. You know what I'm saying? Oh my God, what have I done? I'm leading this mess and people are looking at me. I better fast 16 weeks. Because somehow or another we slip from the fact that he can do anything, anywhere, anytime. And he loves you. He loves you. He loves you unconditionally. Woo. Woo. That's what you got to walk in. You might have bitten off more than you can chew, but you're not alone. There are two-thirds of innumerable with you. And they may be hungry, baby. Jesus. We've got to break doubt off. A doubting generation, a generation of unbelief that never moves into the promises and always holds back what God wants to do. He's itching to release it, and we're stuck in this place. Could you prove it one more time? Could you make a yellow chicken cluck seven times? I'm just saying, God, if there's any way you could make a yellow dog pass a black dog on the way to church and a flashing sign. We're stuck in the realms of doubt. I saw this the other day, and it, I, I love the saying. you got to fight doubt like you're the third male monkey in line trying to get on the ark, and it's starting to rain, baby. <laughs> you better fight. <laughs> I am not getting left behind. This boat is not being sealed up without me. I am not afraid. I do not doubt the word of God. I doubt the lie of hell. I doubt the doubt that tries to come in my mind. Because the doubt is a lie and the truth is the truth. He loves you. He loves you. But you got to fight for these things. 
It's a blessing coming out, but there's a greater blessing moving in. It's time to move in. Move in. Move in. Move into the greater. Move into the blessing. Move into the promises. What does God have for you? I tell you, as great as anything we've ever seen him do for another, he has planned just as great for you. That's who he is. He's not, he doesn't have favorites. He just plans great things. But many people get stuck in this place, this loop. God, help us to believe. Help us to be free. Help us to walk upright. Help us to live the right life. But more importantly, God, help us to walk into the promises once we get out. Because the promises, when they begin to manifest in your life, and you have what people preach you have, and it's not just I shouted in a sermon, but you can look at your life and say, that's happening in my life. When your kids can utter and say, that's happening in our life. Dad, you said that would happen, and look what, it's happening. That's, that's it, man. That's what we live for. That's what he died for. That's what you're supposed to obtain. You're not little or insignificant. You're not meant to be a captive. Those lies that come in your mind, I can't live the Christian life, are a lie from hell. They're meant to always speak to you in that place of, of guilt and that shame. But as we sang today, he will break that shame off of your life. And you can move into something better. But it takes you making a decision. I'm going after it. The promises of God. My promised land I will obtain. I will not be afraid. I will not give way to doubt. Sickness will not rule and reign in my life. Lack will not be my portion. And sin, you have lost your grip on me. And the mind of Christ is mine. And I will think like God. I will move like God. I will act like God. And I will be who God has called me to be. I do not want to return to death. Death, no. Get away from me. I am walking in life and life abundantly. The river of life flows from me, and it flows into my household, it flows into my children, and it flows everywhere I go. I carry life. I do not carry death. Death, no. Life, yes. Hell, no. Heaven, yes. That's the promises of my life. That's what I have. You have to believe it. You have to believe it. Now, to walk in this, it's a battle. Jesus said, you know, Anything you leave in this world, whether it be houses, whether it be family, he says, everything that you give up, I will give you back a hundredfold in this life. In this life. Shout, in this life. And I think I've said it already, but I'll reiterate it. When God called them into the promised land, this is not for us to say that one day in the sweet by and by in heaven I will have this. Heaven is not your promised land. Heaven is heaven. Okay, all right, you with me? Because the Canaan land, the promised land, had giants. There was wars. When you get to heaven, you will not have to fight a giant to get access. Come on, somebody. Your mansion will not have six mafiosas outside in heaven that you've got to figure out a way to break into your own place. It is yours. It has been given to you. There's not a battle in heaven. Heaven is not a place of a battle. Heaven is a place of absolute joy, unspeakable fullness of glory, the presence of God, peace, freedom, no shame, no guilt, no condemnation, only the presence of God. Your Canaan land is here, 
And your Canaan land does have giants. It does have armies. It does have people that are telling you, no, you can't have what has been laid up for you to have. And that's where you got to gear up and realize I'm going to fight for my birthright in Jesus' mighty name. I've been born again by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. The old man has passed away and I'm moving into the greater things. The promises of God are yes and amen over my life. I will have what God has ordained for me to have. And every devil in hell that tries to stop me will be defeated. Because I remind you that I crush cobras and lions and serpents and scorpions under my feet. I had to say them all because it depends on what translation you're reading there. I want to go from NIV, NLT to King James there just to hit them all, bro. And people hit this. It says, with persecution. That's the fight. See, that's the fight. What the devil, what the enemy, what religion, the spirit of religion loves to do is get an on-fire Christian, getting set free, excited about the promises of God, and come and entangle their lives. Get upon them. It's like we stand for the blessing of God. I want everybody in this room to be a multimillionaire and in love with Jesus fervently. That's what I want. Let, bless your socks off. Have more than enough and fund the end time harvest. We just build churches. We just take over the world. And we just watch the eastern sky be split. And we say like, yeah. yeah. That's the promise. That's what I'm living for. I believe in it. But bro, you start even talking the words that are in scripture. Blessing. Prosperity. Overflow. People get instantly mad. And what they do is they come and they attack that. What they're attacking, they think that they're attacking what Jesus was combating in Matthew 6, but they're not. They're not attacking the spirit of mammon. They are attacking the promises of God. And they don't understand the difference. The persecution that you've got to fight past is all the lies and all the condemnation that the world tries to throw at you just for believing God. When Lazarus was raised from the dead, you'd think people would be like, this is awesome. No, Scripture literally says they plotted from that day to murder him. Dude gets raised from the dead and people are already being like, Jimmy, get your bat. Let's go kill him again. We can't let this guy walk around. He's proof that God is who he says he is. Let's murder the guy. My gosh. The world is sick. The devil's a liar. And he hates, hates, hates the church. He hates you. He hates freedom. He hates blessing. He hates breakthrough. He hates the church, and he does everything he can to stop us. And that's where you got to realize, i got to fight this. That's why he says, I have been, Jesus said it, I have been anointed to preach the gospel or the good news to the poor. What is good news to a poor person? Look, I was raised in Tennessee. We fought for everything financially. I was 13 years old before I had air conditioning. 13. I had one pair of shoes every year of my life that we went to Walmart. I was in middle school the first time I ever got a name brand pair of shoes. And they were on the clearance rack at a shoe store. An old pair of Nike hiking boots that didn't really look good with shorts. But I still wore them every single day because I had one pair of shoes. And at least they were name brand. My mom would buy me three t-shirts a year. Three t-shirts is not five t-shirts, and there's five days of school. Can't you spring for two more t-shirts, Mom? I never had a lot. It got in me. People made fun of you. 
People picked on you. Stupid shoes. Look at your shorts. Look at that. That's where I developed a very strong sense of humor. No, it's not all bad. I learned to laugh at myself, and I learned to pick on other people, too. I can pick back. You want, you want to come at this guy? I can come at you. We can go all day. I'm a Tennessee boy. That's how I develop my sense of fashion. People say, does your wife dress you? No, my wife doesn't dress me. I'm not a mannequin. I'm a man. People all the time. Your wife must dress you. My wife does not dress me. I put my underwear on one leg at a time, then my pants too. Your wife did a good job today. She was in her own closet doing her own thing. I developed a sense of fashion because when you got three t-shirts and one pair of shoes, you get creative, bro. You find stuff. You figure out ways to look. That hit me. That hit me. And it actually got to the point it was in your mind. I'm lesser. I'm lesser. We're the people of struggle. And by the time I was in high school, now I have a big chip on my shoulder. Everybody else, their parents are buying them brand new Jeeps, brand new Mustang GTs, Ford F-150s, Z-71s, and I'm, I bought it. I saved up everything I could to buy a 1988 Dodge Dakota that broke down every single day. Big old lemon. You'd be driving and it would just shut down. And you'd have to hold the wheel, pull to the side of the road, just wait a little while, try it again, and sometimes it would start and then you just take off again. Because it flood itself out. I don't even know what it did. Dangerous. That's me. Gets to you. Well, the blessing, the renewal of the mind, is where God says, Caleb, what I have for you isn't based on what you've seen. I didn't plan according to what you've experienced. I planned according to what I have promised. And I've promised a lot bigger than you've experienced. And your experience, take it in the realms of sickness. All I've ever known, God, is sickness. You know, been weak constitution, this, that, all these things. Well, God's not saying, I want you to believe in healing in comparison to that. He's saying, oh, I have planned for you in the realms from all the way where I am, where sickness has no claim on your life. And whether we do have this on this side of eternity or only on the other side, I'm just telling you, it's the mind that's got to realize, no, this is for me now. This is my promise now. God breaks you out. Good news to the poor is you don't have to stay that way. You don't have to feel like the world's looking down at you, that God can come into your life. He can prosper you. He can raise you up, and your children can walk in something you never, ever had before. Because he's a good God. That's why. Amen? Why can you believe for that? Because God is good, and all the time God is good. Because he's not mean. Because he's not cheap. Because he's not a liar. Because he doesn't pick favorites. Because he doesn't promote others just because they had a good upbringing. No, he does it because you dare to believe he'll do it for you. Are you with me right now? In your mind, you got to think these things. Man, God, I believe in the fullness of your promises. I want all of them. In sickness, they've attacked that to church that believes in healing. You know, what's, what does a... A 40-year-old mom that gets cancer looking at kids that are three years old and four years old and the church tells her God doesn't heal anymore 
moved on past that. You just have to, he put that on you to teach you a lesson. Do people even think about what they're saying when they do that? What is that going to feed the children at three years old, hearing some Yahoo tell their mom, you're sick and you're dying because God wants you to learn a lesson. And if you don't learn the lesson, their mom's dead. Now they're three years old with no mom looking at God saying, who are you? I shake my fist at you. That's a lie from hell. That's the devil's plan. God's plan is, I have compassion. Come to me and I will break that off of your life. But it's the, it's the mindset. you got to get it. And you got to look, if you're stuck in sickness, you got to look to health. Like Dodie Osteen would say, she put up a picture of her healthy every day and looked in the mirror and then looked at the picture of her healthy and said, that's my portion, not that. And God healed her. God healed her. Her husband died. He didn't put the picture up. I'm not picking on him. He should have learned a lesson from Dodie, though. Put the picture up, bro. Dodie hit it. She's still alive. She's going to outlive her son, it looks like. When Jesus returns, Dodie's the first one out. Looking back, I told you so. It takes vision and courage. Why did God send them into the promised land? Not to intimidate them with what was in it. It was to fill them with the understanding all you've ever known was captivity and slavery. I want you to go peer at what I actually have for you. It is not even identifiable with what you've known. Everything you've known up till now does not carry over to what I have planned for you in this next stage. Forget the past and look to the promise. That promised land, he said, spy out the good of the land. Look at the fruit, look at the honey, look at the milk, Look at the land that is lush, that is glorious. Look at the cities. No, all of that I have given to you. It was meant to change the mind. To realize God doesn't just set us free. He plans greater. 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 And this plan doesn't run out because you're 88. You may be 88, but if you're still here, there's still something for you to walk in. Come on, somebody. Abraham was having kids at 90 or 100 years old. I'm not saying go and try. <laughs> the blessing with persecution, though. The enemy's tactic is persecution. If he can attack the mind and create shame back in you to re-identify, well, I don't want to offend a person, so I better not talk about that. Well, I don't want to offend somebody... So I better not talk about that. No. Better not let the devil offend you in your mind to forget the promises that are ahead of you. Is this making sense right now? The blessings come with the persecution. You will have to fight for everything you get. That fight is a fight against doubt, unbelief, people coming at you, people mocking you. Jesus even said, the servant is not greater than the master. And they called me the prince of demons. So they will call you worse, he said. They will slander your name. They will ridicule you. They will do everything they can to break you from believing in the promises of God. But you just got to stand your ground and say, do I want to go back to the crack of the Egyptian's whip so to be in the crowd of people that say that that's comfort? Or do I want to press in for the better? Do I want to have the more? Broad is the way that leads to destruction. 
But narrow is the way that leads to life and life everlasting. I want to be on that narrow way. And though a lot of people may fail on that road, though a lot of people drift away, Father, do everything you can to keep my eyes focused on that path that's ahead of me. I want to get it right for you. That's what I want to do. And along that road, see, back to Matthew 6. I'm bringing it to a close right now. And we're going to have some time to just minister by the Spirit this morning. Back to Matthew 6. It's not where it airs. If you seek, if you, you get in your mind and it's like you can easily become the person obsessed with stuff to prove there's a blessing. A person that walks in blessing is not obsessed with any stuff. Stuff overtakes them. It's just laid up for them. You just have it. You know, you're not stressed about it. It just comes freely to the person that's got their eyes on Jesus, that's walking right, that's carrying this thing. These things overtake them. It's just upon your life. Things accidentally work out good for a person that serves God. Where you fail to plan, God never fails to plan. Big things are right around the corner. It's the truth that is truth. You just got to keep moving in that, believing in that, standing in that. And I got to thinking about this. You know, we're believing for a lot as a ministry. And I got to thinking about the covenants. God is a covenant God. Amen. Covenant God means he makes this promise. There was there was in a covenant. There are literal agreements agreed upon by each side that this is what will happen. Everything I have, you'll have every army I have, you'll have. This is a covenant God made. And in the covenant that he made with Adam, first man that came to this earth, the covenant God made with Adam was, I give you this land, take possession of this land, have dominion over this land, name the animals of this land. You have everything that I give you except for don't eat this one tree. Are you with me? That's the covenant part. So there's always the deal in the covenant. You can have everything except for this. We still have a covenant today with God. And it's the same principle that works in my life. You can have everything, but give me the tithe first. And if I do that, then I'm blessed. Amen. It's that simple. I'm, I choose this covenant. Amen. It's a good deal. Somebody shout amen. That's a good deal. So it came with land. Shout land. And I've been on this. Now then, man gets wicked. Where the word says all they think of is continually day and night evil thoughts. I'm going to take, I have to, I have to flood the earth and destroy it. Only Noah is found righteous. I'm going to save his family and two of every animal. So boom, saves them. Noah comes off onto the dry land and God cuts another covenant. What does he say? Noah, once more, I give you the earth. Go and replenish the earth. He gave him the land. Shout land. Every covenant you read, Abraham, a few generations short of, of Noah, God spoke to him, leave your comfort zone. Leave everything that you've known. Leave the things of the past behind and go into the land that I have reserved for you. And when he walked into that land, God says, look to the north, the south, the east, and the west. As far as your eyes can see, I have given unto you this land. Come on. He's a God of promises. He's a God of promises. He's a God of promises. He's a God of blessing. He's a God of overflow. He's a God of more than enough. He is long-winded in His promises, and He is long-steadfast in them. He doesn't quit. 
these promises. Then you keep following on. When the Israelites are in Egypt, they're held in captivity for 400 years. They're slaves being whipped. There is no payment. There is no 401k. There is no retirement. But God lifts the people out of that captivity. He puts them forth into a land and he says, once more, look at the land. The promised land that I promised 400 years ago to Abraham, now is the time to possess the land, said God. Go into the land and take the land, he said. Everywhere in Scripture you read where God made a covenant, he attached to it physical promises too. So when you come out of captivity, when you move in the blessing, back to what I started with, everything you obey God to do, cut that off of your life. There's a physical blessing attached to it. Walk in this promise. Do this thing for me. Go out and preach the gospel. Lay hands on the sick. There is not just an eternal reward. There is a physical, physical, this side of eternity, blessing attached to it. Come on, somebody. Over and over again, we see the character of God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What God has for you and your family, know this. God is a blesser. He is a covenant keeper. This congregation, I want you to look around right now, because in, the, in probably just the next few years, look around, there will be people in this congregation that God is literally going to give land and houses to, that will be up testifying that they possess the land with literally nothing, but God gave it to them. Because He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't change. And if that leapt in your spirit, I want you to just thank the Lord for it right now. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm on this thing right now. I had a moment with God this week. I was trying to tell Pastor Joe, I, when, I, when the Lord connected Luke 4 with them coming out of captivity, and it's not just coming out of captivity, it's look for the greater, says the Lord. The time of favors upon you, says God. Greater things are in store for the church. Greater things are in store for your life. Greater things are in store for your children and your children's children. Greater. Greater. Think that way. Come on, somebody. Think that way. Think that way. Think that way. I took a class in college at Oral Roberts that went into the mindsets of the poor, the middle class, and the wealthy. How they think determines what they have. That's that simple says poor people only think week to week. They think a week out. That's why they live paycheck to paycheck because that's as far out as they can think anyways. And I'm not trying to pick on you right now. If you feel like you're stuck in that, I'm telling you, there is a God that will give you His mind. And His mind is not a poverty mind. His mind is a mind that says the earth is mine and the fullness thereof. The silver and gold is mine. It gets in your mind. And what is that? That's the devil that wants you to feel lesser than. That's all you'll ever have. Yeah, other people can have greater, but you can't have greater. They're better than you. They're more anointed than you. They're, they came from better upbringing. All the things that come in the minds where the enemy wants nothing more than to convince you to go back to Egypt. You're right. I'll never have it. I'm going to go back to what I've always known. I'm going to go back to this place because at least there we knew we were going to get fed. That's what the Israelites said. Well, God faithfully fed them every single day with quail from heaven and manna that rained down. You can go back to a slave house where you get fed or you can have birds flying down. I'm choosing the birds flying down. I mean, I, 
How's it even a decision? But that's supernatural. This is something in the flesh. It's easier to trust the flesh. It's easier to trust what we can see with our eyes, feel with our hands. Trust that. People will put more excitement if Joe came to them and said, I'm a millionaire, and tomorrow I'm bringing you a check of 100000 They would go bananas for Joe. But if the Lord spoke to him in a time of prayer, I have anointed you, I have called you, I want you to go in and possess the land because you lack nothing. They'd be like, okay, God, but could you make a monkey jump in front of the window? Could you make a silver bird fly in and drop a golden bar? How about a platinum necklace, God? I need, I need money, money, money. Ain't it funny? In a rich man's world, give me the physical. There is the physical, but before the physical comes the faith. <laughs> comes the faith part. It says, blessed are those that believe without seeing. Blessed are those people. Blessed are those people. Blessed are the ones that trust God regardless of everything that has ever been spoken over their life and everything they've ever seen up till now. The one that is wild and crazy enough to have a heart of faith to say, bless God, every promise laid up in heaven is mine right now. I'll have it in Jesus' mighty name. Father, thank you. Thank you. Get in my mind, God. I trust this word. This word is the lamp of my life. You can mock me. You can call me insane. You can write articles about me. You can even post on my social media page. A big old thumbs down, an ugly face. But guess what? I trust this over your opinion every day. I have to. I have to. Because your opinion didn't find me in darkness and call me out of darkness and put me in light. Your opinion didn't deliver me from captivity. His did. His always does. It always works out. So I'm going to follow this. I'm going to follow this. I'm going to follow it, and I'm going to have what he says I'm going to have all the days of my life. You believe it? Shout amen today. Man, you got to get this in your mind. How do, you, how do you think wealthy then? Think like God. God told Abraham 400 years from now all this is coming in. God told us before I even formed the earth, I was the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. He knew you would fail. He knew you needed help. He knew you'd be scared. You'd be a chicken. You'd be a dummy. This is mercy. Come on, bro. He knew all of your shortcomings every time you'd be like, I don't know. And he says, yes, but you don't know. For all your doubt, for all your fear, for all your sin, for all your shortcomings, I have prepared myself as a ram for the sacrifice. I will freely choose to die so that you may freely choose to live. And every promise that would have came upon the King of kings and the Lord of lords, for he walked upright, he never sinned, he never feared, he never doubted, he always stayed the course, and he walked in total obedience. Everything he earned, you have. Ha! Ha! My God! What? What? That's Scripture. That's covenant talk. People don't even talk like this anymore. That's covenant talk. Well, God didn't plan everything in your life to be good. No, he planned it to be more than good. Huh. 
He said, the thief may come to steal, kill, and destroy. When you see death, when you see theft, when you see destruction, that's the thief's working. But I have come mm -hmm, that you may have life and life more abundantly. And though the thief may strike on Monday, Tuesday is another day, baby. And his mercies are new and his blessings are new and they overtake you. Come on, somebody. Last week may have been the hardest week of your life, but this week is going to be the best week of your life. And if you believe it, shout amen. You may have fought. I want you to get this. Yes, there's a fight, but know that there's a blessing attached to the fight. I'm not fighting just to fight. I'm fighting because I have a God-given calling from God to possess the land. And devil, I'm coming, baby. And when I come, all of heaven's coming with me. And I'm going to have what God says I'm going to have. This is for every promise of God. It's for every promise of God. Yeah, you're going to break off anxiety. You're going to break off death. You're going to break off lies. You're going to break off poverty. You're going to break off lack. You're going to break them off, but you're not just breaking them off. You're moving into something bigger. I pray this blessed you today. I pray I communicated it somewhat decently. But yeah, there's a fight. I feel like sometimes you're like, man, I'm always in a fight, God. That's where you have to turn around and reflect and see, yeah, I might have been always in a fight, but I've always been advancing. <laughs> and it's not me. It's Christ in me. It's Christ in me. Because you can look back and know, man, look at that victory. And what were you thinking at the time? Your mind was saying stupid stuff to you. But look at God. Because I did today what he told me to do today. I'm closing with this, I just want to encourage you. This is an hour that Scripture says many teachers will arise. And these teachers will have charismatic tongues, silver tongues as we call it in this world. They will know what to say. They will be smooth. But they will lie. And they will speak things to people where they're always learning and never coming to the truth. So that they never move past captivity into promise. There's a lot of believers that the Lord has delivered from captivity but their promise is attached to the other side. But the word of God says it doesn't just come then, it comes now. Amen. And so we know in this hour there will come a lot of false teachers. And I'm saying this to encourage you with this, and I want you to hear this. You have got to read the word of God for yourself. You have got to have a passion for this word. You have got to set your alarm clock and get up earlier and start the day feasting on the meat the world knows not of. You have to. It's the only way forward. Lies will dominate. Fear will overtake. Doubt will be your portion. Sin will always return. But the Word of God comes to sever between the soul and the spirit. You can begin to play now, Lib. And it brings not just freedom. It brings a new mind. This is the mind of Christ. This is how God thinks about you. This is what God thinks for you. When you read it, you got to get it in your spirit and know everything he ever did for Israel was a type and a shadow of what he planned for the church. That's my portion. And the first time you read it and you say it out loud, that's my portion, nothing ignites within you. I'm telling you. 
because there's too many other things going on inside of you so it doesn't explode. Revelation is explosion on the inside. You'll know you have the revelation when it explodes in, your mouth, in, in, in you and the next person you see it comes out of your mouth. That's how revelation is. You can't hold it even for a week. I'm going to preach it next week. No. If it hits you and you're running out of the office, some dude at Subway is like, okay, but did you want the lettuce and tomatoes? <laughs> you're not going to believe this. It's revelation. That is what Jesus said or Paul said, rather, to the Corinthians that by now I have fed you with milk and you should be eating meat, but you're not. You're not eating it. And I'm not rebuking you right now. I'm not, people are like, oh, Pastor Caleb, I'm not rebuking you right now unless you need a rebuke. Milk is where the mom eats filet mignon. I always say filet mignon because I'm a steak fan. And you have what you say, so I speak steak a lot. Amen. She eats when she was pregnant or when she gave birth. She would eat whatever we eat, spaghetti, and then it would produce milk. And then she could feed the babies and it would nourish the babies. But our babies, if they were 13 now and still came to mom for milk, let's have a sit down. I love you. I love you, but no. How old are they? They're, they're 120 months. No, that's, that's, that's 10 years old. That's a 10-year-old. We use years at that point. And they need to eat meat now. Amen. Mama's done. Meat is where you partake of it yourself. When you got saved, you needed someone, and I needed someone. Every time I went to church, I would read the Word, and I was reading the Word. Things would explode, things would ignite, but I would always have questions, and I would always have doubt. Am I, am I, am I getting this right, God? Is this right? I'd go to church, and literally everything I ever asked from God in my early days was exactly what was preached on. I mean exactly. I knew. I was like, by the time, six months in, I'm already at the, I'm already at the scripture that I had written a question for, and I'm like, they're going to start here. Yep, there they go. That's that. Everybody else is here, and they don't even know why they're here. I know. It's for me. That shows you how much he loves you. And he, if he did it for me, he'll do it for every, every born-again believer. New babies, new babies, God just does special things for. If a new baby ties one Sunday, a breakthrough will come on Monday. Then, then you get mature and you're tithing your whole life and you feel like you're fighting for promises. Like, God, can't I go back to baby status? <laughs> Why am I in a warfare? Because you're not a baby anymore. <laughs> you've grown up. Now go out and fight the battle. And as you fight the battle, the other babies around you will have the blessings that you fought for and they're going to be the next generation to come up. Amen? It's the meat. It's the meat. It's the meat. Let the meat get in you. Have a passion for the Word of God. Consume it. Highlight it. Write in it. It's not like people are like, I just don't want to write in the Bible. You should have marks all over it. You should have arrows drawn. You'd have everything. You should, it should be speaking to you. And that's where, that's where you get the new mind. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. Anointed preaching is one thing. But it's when the Word of God is the, is the plumb line of your life that you're in this Word, cherishing this Word, checking this Word, double-checking this word. 
I go through Amplified Classic, King James Version, New King James Version, NLT. I go through all those versions, checking and rechecking. Is this saying what I think it's saying? What did it say in the King James? What did the Amplify add to it? What's the New Living say? Because that's kind of more my language. And then I get the meat of it, and I realize this is what God is saying. And even if every other person is saying something contrary, this is what God's saying. Amen? Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Man, you know, we say this all the time. But God loves you so much. Loves, loves, loves you. And to experience the love of God is a life-changing, forever-altering moment. The day I met God and felt His love, everything changed for me. It wasn't instant physical change, but it was instant internal change. Something broke loose in me. I cried like a baby. And I knew that outside of God in this world, you will never discover love like His. His love is perfect. Perfect. There is no shadow of turning in Him. There is no wickedness in God. And what He thinks of you is good and well. And my prayer for you today is that you would know the love of God. That that would be the, the strength of your life and the foundation of every promise. Why can I believe for all of these things? Because He loves me. And in the bounds of a love relationship, everything He promises is mine. Across this room right now, maybe it is. You're stuck. Stuck with a, a battle with sin. Sin keeps beating you back down. You get free, then you get beat back down. You say, Pastor Caleb, today I want to be set free. I believe that God can, in His mercy, His loving kindness, pour out His Spirit to help break that thing off of your life. And then moving forward, it's your discipline to get the Word of God, to read the Word, to let it be the plumb line, to think like God thinks, to put your eyes on a better future and walk that thing out. But today, by the grace of God can come upon those that desire it. So if you're struggling with sin, caught up in it, you want it out. Maybe it's not it, 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 what you would define as sin. Maybe it's more along those lines of a fear that grips you. Afraid of tomorrow. Afraid of captivity. Afraid of losing. Afraid of bondage. Afraid of all these things. I'm afraid. It holds you. It holds your heart. Find yourself panic attacks, worry and comes upon your mind you want to believe the Lord is good and even when we say the Lord is good and all the time He's good, there's a, there's a, a part where you hold your breath at all the time because you're like, I don't know that you hear it from me, I've been in a battle a long time, but I can tell you in all the battles, God is good and all the time He is good, He has never changed some of the battles are because I'm taking ground, some of the battles are because I did stupid things yeah, we fight for that too but God is faithful in all those wars and all those battles to be by your side. And everything He says, you cling to it. That is life. Maybe it's the doubt. The doubt that comes upon. The American church is a church clouded with more doubt than any other church I've experienced. Americans doubt everything. We live in a society where there's so much false information and distrust. We don't believe or trust anything anymore. You think it hasn't affected your walk with God, but it does. It affects you. 
I don't believe, I don't know. Miracle will happen in front of you in a church in America and people will just observe it and not even cheer because they doubt whether or not it's legit. That's the American church. And we're like, why, why is America not being shaken by the power of God? Because you doubt that he even wants to shake it. You got to confront that doubt. It's time to stop allowing that doubt to rule and reign in your heart. Today, by faith, by humility, you can confront that doubt and tell doubt to get out of your life. I'm not going to doubt the Word of God anymore. So this is a special call. Those caught up in sin, those caught up in fear, those caught up in doubt, I want you to come forward right now and we're going to pray with you and for you. The altar is open.